0: We spent a lot of time talking about the pervasiveness of sex in society and the pervasiveness of sex in the church. What we discovered makes no difference if you're in the church or outside the church. For the most part, it's everywhere. And that's the problem we're talking about. The problem is, why is it in the church? Last week we talked about the failings of all the purity programs that are going on and how they're not working and how the statistics are showing that it's making a little bit of an impact. People are waiting about another year to a year and a half but really, other than that, not making an impact. We covered lies and rationalizations last week, which we're going to review tonight. And then we are talking about approaching the problem through a spirit of confession. What is the problem? We'll take a look at the next slide. We still haven't solved this problem. This is the question that we're seeking to answer. And today when we were talking to a couple of the people who are at the table, some of the adults too who looked at our talk on sex, the cover of the CD now kind of has this one. It has this kind of question put on the CD cover, and they thought, well, that's a pretty interesting question. I never really thought of it that way. Here's our dilemma. The question is, why is Christ having so little impact on the sexual behavior of those in the church? We haven't answered it yet. We have some answers on the board, which we're going to get to at the end, but we still haven't answered it and what i want to do tonight is do a little bit more brainstorming because we agreed as a group i think we're going to try to come up with an answer that at least was my challenge to you we still haven't come up with a good one we've come up with some but my belief is and the reason we're looking for an answer is i don't think until we find that answer we're really going to make an impact it's not going to matter until we figure this one out all the books that are being written are giving some goofy answers we need a better one the book I am reading right now that is seeking an answer is doing the same thing. They're walking through it looking for an answer. I thought we should walk through and do the same thing. This is the, uh, the theme verses from last week, so you guys can catch up. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. The reason we are talking about light is because this is a topic that's not addressed in the church. We don't talk about it, so it just kind of festers in the darkness, and therefore we never really come up with something to talk about. That's why we're talking about the light. Here are some of those dark rationalizations that we had from last week, just so you can remember where we are. These are all, I think as Andrew pointed out, some of them are true, but they're used as rationalizations. So not every one of these is a lie, but they're used to rationalize our behavior. These are the lies that we've been covering. I'm just a physical person. Everyone struggles in one area or another. This just happens to be the area in which I struggle. Guys just want to have sex so they can brag to their friends that they hit it. Remember, we said that was a lie because, well, it might be true in some respects, but it's a lie because there's so many other guys that may having sex for other reasons. For guys, sex is just a physical act that's unconnected with their feelings. Unless there's penetration, it's not sex. I'm still a virgin if we've never actually, quote unquote, "done it." All rationalizations. Oral sex does not count as sex. Experimenting with friends is not sex. Some of you guys are wondering, like, what is that all about? Uh, this one is pretty popular with women, unfortunately, not with too much with men. Lust is a sin, and all sins are equal. At least if I act on my impulses and take care of my lustful thoughts, I'll be sinning less, not more. Jesus forgives all sins. I'm so good in other areas, I'm sure that he'll easily forgive these sins. God created us to be sexual beings. I'm just acting on the way that God made me. Again, all rationalizations that you'll hear from people who are just doing whatever they feel like. Fornication really refers to immoral sex or illicit sex or sex without love. We are in love, so sex is allowable. Or at least not offensive. God knows that we are going to get married, so I'm sure he understands. So what's wrong with all these? We talked last week that the problem with these is every one of them sounds good. Every one of them leads us to violate and to sin intentionally. Okay? One of the things about sexual sin is rarely, rarely... Is it a sin where you just are caught up so much in the heat of the moment that you're like, woo, you're into it? A lot of the times, the reason you have to have a rationalization. Think about it. This is a premeditated sin. Last week we covered the verse out of Hebrews that talks about if we continue to to sin intentionally, we're actually trampling on Christ's sacrifice. There's a warning in Hebrews. We talked about it, but that going too far and sinning intentionally and trampling on the sacrifice of Christ runs you the risk of maybe even losing that sacrifice. It's a warning to us not to sin intentionally. The problem with sexual sin is it is intentional sin. You have to think about it. You have to plan it. You have to use one of these rationalizations, and once you're caught in it, it becomes a cycle where you just keep rationalizing it over and over, and you don't want to get out of it. Here's today's rationalization that we're going to be looking at. It's okay to look as long as you don't touch. Why is that one of Satan's lies? Yes.
1: Like, if you can look at someone and look away, you already kind of, you know, make that committedness in your eyes to go ahead and follow
0: through with it. So you are looked at another woman lustfully than you've already sinned. You've already committed adultery. How long do you think? How many seconds?
1: It's in your mind.
0: I think guys and girls differ on this a little bit, okay? I think that guys are much more visually stimulated than women, and they may lust easier in a visual sense and one of the tools that they tell people to do for guys especially to avoid lustful thoughts is to not stare too long at somebody who is beautiful to kind of bounce your eyes away to something else you know like oh there's a good looking woman hey look at that car again i think it's impractical advice from some of these crazy books that are written and maybe that's the reason the church is failing in purity because these these tools that people give are so they're so goofy but I think the point is still true, that after a while, if you spend too much time looking, you are lusting. The reason I know it's true is because Jesus told us it's true. The verse comes to mind, and you have to look at it seriously, that Jesus is saying that, you know, you've heard that you should not commit adultery. But I'm telling you that if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. Now, he's not saying if you look at a woman, just admire her beauty, but there's a line there. And how long it takes to cross that line, I don't know. But that's not the only way that you can look without touching. The reason I bring up this look without touching is most people if you hear this phrase in society they say it all the time. Eh, it's okay to look just don't touch. Guys say it to each other all the time. Every married guy says it to each other. It's okay to look long as you don't touch. It's like I'm not really sure that's true because there are other ways to look that may be harmful. I told agree. You would agree that it's okay to look? All right, you hear that, guys? My wife is giving me permission to sin.
1: No, I mean, like, when you touch, I mean, like, your body's giving you, you
0: Okay, touch, like that's why I like Exodus, because we're going to debate this tonight. I'm taking the position that you probably are sinning when you look but don't touch, but I'm being a little unfair to you guys. Let me go to the next slide, because I want to show you some other things about looking and not touching. What about these types of looking? Because you are certainly not touching when you look at a porno magazine... Or even, as we started in our first series, looking at Maxim magazine. How about if you're just fantasizing? You're certainly not touching anybody, but maybe yourself. But, I mean, you're not touching any person in your fantasy. You're not touching your neighbor across the street, but you're certainly thinking about her. How about the Internet? You're not touching any of those people. Today on the Internet, you can run the gamut from looking at still pictures, downloading streaming movies, You can even look at live chat, like video things, where you just tell the person what to do. You're not touching anybody. See, I'm glad I can look, but don't touch, because look at all the things I'm allowed to do now. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. How about chat rooms when you take on a personality, and you're not even who you are, and you're sex chatting with some person who's across the world, and you never even met them. You don't meet them. You don't know who they are. You're certainly not touching them. Is it okay to look, but not touch in that context? How about movies? Just the classic, the old standard. Let's just go rent a porno movie. We're not touching anybody. Or I guess the most extreme look but don't touch is hanging out at a strip club. The only thing you'll be touching is your dollar bills. as They fly out of your hand. Is that okay? Where's the line? Any of these okay? You see, I think the thing that this focuses on, and we'll go through them a little bit in more detail, but the thing that they focus on is, that, is it the looking and not touching? Is that the issue? Is it the not touching? Or is it the fact that every one of these things induces a lustful attitude in our hearts? Because I think that's the point of what Jesus was really saying. And I know I'm, just, I'm driving home an easy point that all of us understand. I don't think in any church in America you're going to find somebody who stands up and goes, I think sex chatting is totally okay. No one's going to say that. But what disturbs me more is no one's going to stand up and admit that they do it. And the surveys tell us that lots of people are doing it. You remember the first week, all we did was talk about the statistics of how much sex is in the church. How many pastors struggled with Internet pornography? How many lay people who go to church regularly struggle with Internet pornography? So that covers some of the Internet stuff, the movies, some of the chat rooms. Is it okay? I think you guys are going to change your answer now that I put this slide up. Anyone want to argue that it is okay? <laughs> Can't find that person. No one? No one wants to argue it's okay? Anything healthy come out of it? Alright, let's ask this question. Let's ask it in reverse. What's so destructive about these things? Okay, so let's let me let me dissect it. You're lusting. Let's just put it that way. You're lusting, right? So that's a sin. Alright, okay. Let's pretend for a moment that that's the only thing it is, a sin. Is there any other harm? Because here's the thing. When someone says, the reason you shouldn't look at porn on the Internet is it's a sin. Well, people have been saying that since porn was invented, right? And it isn't making a difference. So can we say something else, for example? I recognize that sin by itself is totally destructive, but I guess the reason I want to go deeper than just that answer is because we already have that answer, and it seems to make no impact. Like somebody's sitting there. Forget somebody. Me. I'm sitting there in front of the computer thinking, I, I want to do this. And yes, I know it's wrong, but I do lots of things wrong. So I'm doing one more. Any other reason that I should stop? I mean, you see this woman and she's, you have no relationship with her. You have nothing. Yet you can watch her doing sexual acts. Or- so it's not real to see somebody who's in a sexual position, but isn't that a real girl that's on the Internet? I mean, they didn't, like, make her up, right? I mean, she's a real girl. She took off her clothes, and they took pictures of her, right? Like, so she does exist, right?
1: Yeah, but she's also, like, the image that airbrushed.
0: airbrushed. You're also not satisfied with who you're with. The things that you see. And then your wife is just average. Talking about my wife? <laughs> <laughs> like, you might look at your wife differently because you see all these beautiful doing all these things, and then your wife can't even stand up to these because they're professionally done, and they're made to turn you on. What if you're not airbrushing this picture, it's just a regular picture of a regular person who really does exist, and my wife is even more beautiful than her, but she's different somehow than my wife. But
1: it's still, her body is there to entertain you, and her display in a very intimate position. disrespectful, too, like, you know, if my boyfriend was doing stuff like that, I would Yeah, it
0: is like cheating. It's like cheating. Well, that's what Jesus said, isn't it? I mean, remember he was saying, let's just use common language. When he said adultery, he was basically saying, it's like cheating, right? So you think cheating is having sex with another woman. I'm telling you, you look lustfully at another person and you're cheating. So if you think you're good, you're so far off the mark, you're not even good enough because good would be perfection. And by the way, here's the standard of how you would meet perfection in God's eyes, okay?
1: I feel like if it's a repetitive thing, then that's when you fall into um, the act of um, choosing to be like this.
0: All right, could Larry Flint? Anybody know who Larry Flint is? I know who Larry Flint is a guy who publishes Hustler and a million other sex bags, right? Could Larry Flint go to heaven if he accepted Jesus on the last day of his life? Does anybody agree that he probably could? Do we? Anybody disagree that he would go to heaven? So, I guess here's the reverse question: Let's say that you are a Christian today, you've accepted Jesus, but you just decide to be a pornographer the rest of your life. No,
1: you can't live like this.
0: What do you mean you can't live? How, why? Hold on, hold on. I want to know why you can't live like that.
1: You're cold. Maybe
0: you're cold, but you're still saved and cold. You're like a cold fish, but saved. Okay.
1: Your heart wouldn't let you. In a sense that it would hurt so bad at a certain point that either God would
0: literally stop you in your tracks and say, hey, look at me. God could stop you. That's true. He tells us. He could discipline us like a father, right? But let's say He doesn't do anything. Let's say He just kind of sits back and watches you as you know, the born-again pornographer, you know, and he watches, and he just says, like, hmm, is interesting. I mean, you believe in me. You want to stay as a baby, even in your Christian faith, and do it. Does anyone believe that you could accept Jesus, genuinely accept his sacrifice, and be a pornographer the rest of your life, and walk right into heaven with everybody else? Ryan.
1: I feel like if the person, you know, was saved, and this is something that he struggled with, and he truly struggled with his heart, but he wanted to do something that was right. He struggled with, really wanted to do the right thing, but he, it was just a struggle in his life. And he tried, and I feel like, yeah, you know, I think that
0: he would. Okay, get real with me. I'm in front of the computer. And I'm thinking, do I look at the pornography or not? I know it's a sin. I know God doesn't want me to do this. But I really want to. I just, I just feel like I want to do this right now. I just totally, I'm just going to do it. I'm gonna do it. I feel like I no, I shouldn't do it. Alright, I'm just screwed. I'm just gonna do it. Is that enough of a struggle? struggle yeah. Is that enough of a struggle that you think, okay, I'm still saved because I'm still struggling? Okay. Let me wrap this up on this point. I know that everybody in society says it's okay to look, but don't touch. But these ways of looking are not cool. Alright? They affect people. Now I don't know that we can come up with the clicky, cliched answers of how they affect people. I know the popular view in the church is every woman who's stripping in a club or doing some sort of pornographic act is a child abuse-like victim, and, and that's why they're doing this. I don't believe that. I think 20 to 30 percent of them are totally normal people, or they just love the, the power that it gives them. All right. But that does ignore that the statistics tell us that like 70% of them or 60 to 70% of them have been abused when they were younger. Okay, so maybe there's some normal people that get out there, but it's a, you know, they're, they're covering a much bigger problem. Fantasizing is, I think, a problem. I mean, it would be hard for me to say to my wife, like, yes, that girl that we met, I fantasized about her. All right? I mean, hard for me to say. It'd be harder for her to hear. <laughs> and then it's going to get ugly from that point on, you know? I had to actually counsel a woman this last uh, couple weeks about how to let go an employee who became addicted to sex chatting. This woman would come into work every day, get on her computer, get on Instant Messenger, and just chat with these people. And she was getting no work done. I mean, you know, it sounds kind of dumb because you'd think, okay, you know, you got to do a little bit of work. She was getting no work done. None. She was so addicted to it. And I was like, why does not she just get a computer at home and, like, go crazy? I mean, just why at work? But she didn't have a computer at home, didn't have this kind of connection at home. But when she came into work during regular days, the whole day, they had to let her go because she was like two months behind on her work. She was just letting it pile up. And they'd be like, hey, you got to get the work done. you got to get the work done. Like, what are you doing? They finally went through her computer and found all these logs of all this stuff that she was doing. And she was actually going out and meeting all these guys and having sex with them. Like, the chatting wasn't enough anymore. Now, I'm not going to give you the slippery slope argument that you start with a little bit, it gets worse. It does. But that's not the reason that I'm telling you it's bad. I'm telling you it's bad because Jesus told us if you lust, it's the same as cheating. And I don't know any way you could have a sex chat with anybody, I don't care if you're a guy or a girl, without lusting in some way. You know? It's the whole point. Is it try to get the other person aroused or get you aroused? I mean, what, what else would you be doing? Like sitting there typing in front of a computer all these crazy statements? I think we could identify someone really easily. Like, hey, is it okay to go to a strip club? Like, what Christian's going to go? Yeah, I think it's totally okay. Raise your hand all those people who think it's totally okay to go to the strip club. What if I ask you, raise your hand on all those people who do it anyways? You guys know it's wrong. No one's going to take me on about it being right. The question is, why are we doing it? And I think it goes back to the answer of just telling somebody it's a sin is not enough. We know it's a sin. Yeah, what if we just scared them to death and said, if you go on one more internet site for pornography, you will blow up. What if you could actually get a venereal disease on the internet? <laughs> what if, every time you went on the internet, like a siren went on at your mom's house? Okay, You know, I had a buddy at work. He knew that in my office downtown, I have my computer connected to a 500-watt surround sound system. And it was on usually pretty loud playing music late at night. So he sent me an email. And this email wasn't anything dirty. It was just a sound file, just a little sound file. and. He said, like, oh, click on this. It's really cute. That's all the email said. So I clicked on it. The sound file, what it does, a little program, it boosts the volume on your computer to the maximum and then yells out, woohoo, look at me. I'm looking at porno in here. All right, now I'm at work. It's 9.30. I just stumbled into work, you know, kind of late. I turn on my computer and I get this little email from my buddy who's across the building on the other side. And it boosts my sound on a 500-watt system to the maximum. It scared me so bad, like I couldn't even breathe. Within five seconds, there's a crowd outside my door going, what are you doing in here? I was so embarrassed. I was so red, like I was hot. I felt I was going to faint. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't even see straight. I mean, he got me so good. It's like the best anybody's ever gotten me in my life. So that night, I snuck into his computer that night and I went into Windows, and every sound in Windows, I made the default that sound. But of course, he didn't have the big surround sound, he just had a little stupid PC speaker. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't it funny how I was so embarrassed that anybody at my firm would bust me looking at porno? But I never even thought twice that there's like a siren going off in heaven next to God every time. I don't care about that for some reason. And that's why I'm still trying to get deeper into this issue. Where are we going to get to the level where we go, that's what's going to stop us from doing this? Because we know it's a sin. We know it's wrong. We know we don't want other people to know about it. But we don't even give any care or thought to the fact that God knows about it. That's what makes this topic so difficult to crack. Like I feel like we still aren't cracking it because we as a church know it's wrong. It's going to affect our lives, Or how many times have you sat in front of God, totally brokenhearted, just going, I know that you died for me, and you went all this distance, and I, I can't, no, not can't, don't want to stop sinning. I'm just having too good of a time. But I don't want my co-workers to know.
1: But if they really understood what it meant for us, then we wouldn't want to do it, because the pure love from Jesus is, is pure and clean, and it will wipe out anything, um, any sin...
0: So if we understood who God was, if we feared him, if we loved him more, that would make a difference in our... All right. And here it is, I think kind of touching on what Ryan was just coming up with. The next slide in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Are we? Because if Christ has such an impact on your life, you would be a new creation. How is being a pornographer the rest of your life being a new creation? How does Christ show in your life? Where is the light that you're supposed to shine through? Where's the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be like guiding and changing you? Where's the salt that's different from the rest of the earth? Where is that? Because we're supposed to be a new creation. You know, I struggle with this one a lot because I want to be a new creation. But I sin all the time, and I fall so short in this area, and I think, am I just not a new creation? Am I fooling myself? There are people who are very disciplined in this area. Maybe it's easy for them. Or maybe they really are better at being a new creation. They've understood who God is. They love Him. They fear Him. They've let Him change them. And I'm still unwilling to yield. So the big question is on the next slide. We're still asking it. Why are Christians having sex outside of marriage? These are the answers that you guys came up with last week. I thought I'd put them on the screen. One was because our loved ones are close by and God seems far away. Ah, this person's here and God's like far away and they're looking pretty good. Or I crave that intimacy tonight. I want it. I want it now. I'm not willing to wait for it. I want to taste it now. You can agree or disagree. I want some others from you when we're done with this list. Although we know that it is wrong, we never discuss why it's wrong. I think that was one of the best points we had. I think that was Vicky's point from last week. The church never really talks about why it's wrong. Now, some churches do. Most churches don't. They'll tell you it's wrong. They'll tell you not to lust. They'll just say it's sinful, all these things. But they're not talking about the whys. What is the consequence of sexual sin? We refuse to yield control of this part of our lives. That was what we were just talking about, about being a new creation. We're just saying, you know what? God, you can have every part of my life, but don't touch this one. I need something I can sin with. Or I just I just can't give this up to you. I don't want to give this up to you. I'll give it up to you later when I'm like married and 40 and bald. But not now. This is my time. Or I'll just say I'm sorry tomorrow morning. That'll be good enough for me. Good enough for you? Thief on the cross? Because we are immature in our relationship with Christ, we have not truly been renewed. It's another answer that was given. And I think probably the best one of all, as far as our hearts are, because we just want to. We just want to have sex. The best reason of all. Why is the church and Christ making no impact? Because we just want to. We'll give up drinking if it's bad, if we're alcoholics. We'll give up smoking at church on Sunday morning only. We'll give up cussing temporarily until we go back to school. But don't ask me to give this one up, because I just want to. I want to. Besides, God knows we're going to get married. We love each other. It's not like we're having, like, illicit one-night stands. No, no, we're totally committed to one another. It's okay. He knows. He knows. He would approve. He's a God of love. We're just giving him extra love. Right?
1: Yeah, I, I like just want too. I think that's number one for you. But I feel a lot of times uh, just in the world in general it's all around us that i think that if we don't have that accountability with somebody then it's just going to we're going to be you know it's going to be easy for us because everyone
0: else. Let me ask you this as a follow up. If you're being bombarded every day with sexual images, do you think that takes away your choice or does that just erode your choice? I mean how does that work? Do you think like, well, I'm being bombarded so much it's almost like I just can't help it. They're putting all this stuff in my mind and next thing you know I'm acting on it. Or are you saying Yeah, it's there, but I still have a choice, and I'm not making the choice. We
1: always have a choice, no matter what. Um, I just feel like, like I said, it's all around us, so you can say no, but then another minute, it can hit right back at you, you know, and hit right back at you so it can wear you down.
0: So if you were in my courtroom, you would argue diminished capacity. You would say, like, basically... I wasn't in my right mind I was already like half influenced and I just pushed me over the edge and I was I was weakened you know it's kind of like diminished capacity is like I was in a drunken state and I didn't really I wasn't responsible for my action so like the media put so many of those thoughts in my head that the next thing you know there I was there was a girl that went to my former church who gave me the do you mind if we go out and have lunch I need to talk to you about something I was like oh, okay you know it's gonna be one of these topics so we were sitting down and she said I really want to seek your help and advice, and I don't want to talk to other people about it, because I think they'd be very judgmental about it. She said, I met this guy, and I'm having sex with him. Now, she's a strong Christian, missionary kid. And she was really having a hard time with it, feeling guilty and beating herself up over it. So we talked. Well, she talked. I ate. She talked, 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 and I ate. And then, like, by the end of the meal, she's, like, looking at me to, like, come up with, okay, now, here's where I come in with the big, wise solution, you know? And... I listened to everything she said, and the more she talked, yes, she was kind of reveling in her guilt. Yes, there was a little bit of drama there. But I could tell that she was not quite done. And all I said to her was, well, I guess you're going to have sex with them a little bit longer, and then someday you'll just stop. She was so angry. And she said to me, "Like, how dare you say something like that to me? Like, Aren't you listening to what I'm saying? Like, I came to you because I wanted you to tell me what i needed to do or to give me something i mean you can't just look at me and go well eh, you'll have sex with him a few more times i'm sure and at some point you won't do it anymore like can't you see that i'm broken up over this thing but all i could see was hey look you're not broken up over this thing that you're willing to stop at some point when your sin becomes intolerable enough you will stop but i can't stop you because you like it too much I could hear it in her voice that all the struggling was struggling with guilt. And the real reason the guilt was there was not because she had had sex, but because she wanted to keep having it. And there's nothing I could say to her. What was I supposed to do, like sprinkle dust over her head and go, there you go, stop it. When she hated the sin so much was the day she was going to stop. She loved it too much. Now, I'm not trying to make her out like she's some nymphomaniac. She's a normal girl, just like everybody else. She enjoyed the sin too much, just like I did when I fell into places, just like you do when you fall into any sin. It's because you actually think, like, I like it. I like what it does for me. Nobody does something they hate. I mean, if you really hate having sex, you're not going to do it. No one's forcing you to do it. If you really hate the sexual sin, by the way, I'm not just talking about sex like it's intercourse. I'm talking about whether it's chat rooms, pornography, going on the internet, lusting after some other guy, doing whatever it is that your thing is. If you hated it, you wouldn't do it. I hate working out. I don't do it. I just, I hate it. I don't do it. Maybe it's not good for me, but I just don't do it. If sex and sexual sin was the same way, I just wouldn't do it. And that's what I was trying to communicate to her was, you know someday you're just not going to do it. And it wasn't really like I was trying to be profound. I was just trying to tell you, you're not ready to stop because you love it too much. You're just going to have these conversations like five more people. They're not going to help you. We're just going to be eating while you talk. And in the end, you're not going to stop. Now, yes, I know. I should have said you're wrong and God doesn't want you to do this. And I should have been more exhortive. I should have been more... But I know her and she knows those things are wrong. She didn't need me to tell her. If it's somebody who needs to hear the truth, tell them the truth. Read them these verses. But I know this girl. She knows the truth. She knows it better than I do. She just wasn't ready because she loved it too much. And That's why I think a lot of the problem we're having in the church is that we just don't want to listen. How do I get us to stop wanting it? I don't know. If we could cure that, then we'd be done. You guys got to fill this in. What is wrong with Christians having sex outside of marriage? Maybe this is the way we'll discover the truth. We're going to spend next week going through this. I want you guys to kind of think about it. I'm going to give you some suggestions just briefly. But your job by next week is we're going to come back in here and you're going to tell me what's wrong because I think Vicky was right last week. We're not talking enough about why it's wrong beyond just that it's a sin. Maybe, But like I said, that's not going to solve the problem, but we at least need to do it and then maybe come back and figure out a way where we can stop wanting this sin so badly. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about it. And, you know, since none of you are volunteering any stories about your failings, it seems like I'm the only one doing the talking in that section. We're going to talk a little bit about how sexual sin gets in the way of our relationship with Christ and how it can hurt us in these other ways, physically, emotionally, mentally. But I believe the worst one is spiritually, because it does create a barrier. So we're going to come back and talk about that next week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the thoughts and comments and the struggle that we're having in this issue. You know it's a problem. You know it's a problem in each of our lives. And you know where precisely each of us has a problem, Lord. And we sit in open confession right now before you, Lord, and just let you speak to our hearts about those things that you desire that we no longer follow. But we are a broken people. We, I can't even imagine how to be holy. I can't even get out of the dumb sins, let alone the big ones. But Lord, I don't want to make excuse for them or seem like we can't grow in our understanding of who you are. I don't want to make it seem like we can't grow in maturity or discipline or to become new creations. We can. We just need to want it more. And even if we don't want it, Lord, we open up right now and ask your Holy Spirit to help us to want it. Lord, we have faith, but help our unbelief. Help our difficult parts that we can't give up. Lord, help us to slowly come to the point where we do that. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you send your Holy Spirit to be our advocate and our counselor. And I pray in the next couple of weeks, you would just finally show us a way to want to be pure with you, to desire it like it was something that's the desire of our heart, to make sinning against you something that we hate as much as you hate it, and to make loving you and purity something that we desire, the way we desire the innermost things and our passions. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.